22 through 24 is a key passage. I'm going to read the passage and then I'm going to back up and or set up the chapter and might uh, work through the chapter just in terms of get, setting the context and then a few applications. So telling the story and then applying it to your lives. That's what we're going to do. God's word says in Leviticus 9, 22 through 24, Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. He came down after sacrificing the sin offering and the burnt offering and the fellowship offering. Moses and Aaron then entered the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell face down. This is the word of the Lord. May the word of Christ dwell richly among us in all wisdom. We do want to think about the word of Christ this evening, or actually the Christ of the word. Um, John has been preaching to us through the book of Hebrews, and I've been in my devotions in Hebrews, and Hebrews speaks of the glories of Jesus Christ as our great high priest, our great high priest. And Leviticus is a good background on thinking about what the priest does and the greatness of what priests do so that we might appreciate the, the greatness of Christ even more. The book of Leviticus, and where we find ourselves in this part of Leviticus, is actually eight days after um, Exodus, probably. So Exodus ends, you guys know they, get, they come out of Egypt, and then they go to Mount Sinai, and then they get all kinds of instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And the, the chapter, or the book ends with God moving in from Mount Sinai into a tabernacle, into a tent. And so when you get to the book of Leviticus, that's where it ends, with God living in a tent among his people. And Leviticus asks this question, how can this holy God live in the midst of these sinful people? That's the question of Leviticus. How can that work? How does that happen? And so right when you, right when you just turn the page from Exodus 40 to Leviticus 1, it just starts with sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, uh, several different kinds of sacrifices that need to happen regularly through the priesthood so that the sinful people can live with the Holy God. That's what's going on. And so you just get descriptions of sacrifices from chapters one through seven, and then chapter eight, the story resumes with the ordination of the priests. So Moses ordains Aaron, who's the high priest, and Aaron's sons, who are the priests under Aaron. After their ordination in chapter eight, you get to chapter nine, and now it's the first, so it's a seven-day ordination ceremony. And now on day eight, it's the first day of the priests doing their ministry. So this is not a typical day, but it is the first day that the Aaronic priesthood is now doing their priestly ministry after the ordination. So um, for the sake of time, we're not going to read nine, uh, chapters, chapter 9, verses 1 through, through 21. But in it, and John talks about it a little bit earlier today, so this first day of ministry, the priests have to make sacrifices for themselves <clears throat> first, and then make sacrifices for the people. And there are four types of sacrifices that are going to go on. And you kind of see them. If you have a paragraph form of Bible, I have a single column here. I could just read to you um, what happens in the very first verse of each paragraph. On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And so all of the, all of the members, all the whole community, verse 5, the, they brought what Moses had commanded to the front of the tent of the meeting. And the whole community came forward and stood before Yahweh. So the whole covenant community is there. Verse 8, so Aaron approached the altar and slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself. And then verse 12, then he slaughtered the burnt offering. 
And then verse 15, Aaron presented the people's offering. And then verse 18, finally, he slaughtered the ox and the ram as the people's fellowship sacrifice. So Aaron brings sacrifice for himself. So this is just weird because they just had sacrifices for seven days to consecrate them. Now your first day of ministry, what do you have to do first? Make a sacrifice for who? Yourself. You're just constantly reminded as a priest, you are a sinner. And before you do any priestly ministry to others, you must deal with your own sin before God. And every time they do sacrifice, it's just this constant reminder that you too are a sinner and you need the cleansing of God. And so the four sacrifices that he brings for the people, you see this in verse 20, 22, and I read it. He came down after sacrificing the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering. And there was also a grain offering. So there's four there. Okay, there's a sin offering, a burnt offering, a grain offering, and then a fellowship offering. And these four offerings give four, and commentators have two different ways of doing this. I'm not, I didn't take the time to figure out which one is right, but just what do these symbolize? The order is important. First offering is for purification or for cleansing. So cleansing of sin. And then from cleansing, you go to atonement. Cleansing of sin, atoning for sin. And then after atonement, or you could call that purification, then the next offering is a dedicatory offering, a de offering of dedication or consecration, where you are now dedicated and consecrated and set apart for God. And then the fourth offering in the order is a fellowship offering, where now you have communion with God. But you don't go straight to communion with God. First, there needs to be cleansing and atonement, covering of sin, purification, and then a, a, an offering of consecration where you are devoted and set apart for this holy God, and then a fellowship offering of communion with God, fellowshipping with God, and even a meal with God. There was a, you would eat the sacrifices in the presence of God. And here it's going to be symbolized in the elders eating in the midst of all the people to eat in God's presence as a fellowship offering to the Lord. So that's the story, and as, as he does all these offerings, let's just pick up the story again and read it one more time. Go back to verse 22, or verse 23. So he does all these offerings. First Aaron blesses the people as he finished the offering, then he goes down from the altar. And then verse 23, uh, notice the order here. Moses and Aaron entered into the tent of meeting. And who's in the tent of meeting? God is, right? So Aaron and Moses, they're straight into the very presence of God, almost like a holy of holies in this, in this sense. And so they go there to meet with God. And when they come out, they bless the people. And what was the blessing that Aaron said to them? We don't know for sure, but it might be the blessing of Numbers 6, 24 through 26. You could turn there if you want, or if you could just listen. This would be a good verse to memorize. It would be actually a good song that we could have closed with. But I'm not sure you guys are familiar with the blessing song. But number 6, 24 to 26, where um, it says, Lord spoke to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. You should say to them, may Yahweh bless you and protect you. May Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh look on you with favor and give you peace. That's the blessing. It's a blessing of God drawing near to you, smiling on you, communing with you, forgiving you, cleansing you, walking with you as one of his people under his blessing rather than being under his curse. So Moses and Aaron meet with God in the tent. They come out. They bless the people with the very blessing of God coming down to them. 
And what happens after that? This is supernatural and significant here in verse 23. After they bless the people and pronounce that blessing, what happens? Before the fire, the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. Now, that could have been in the fire. So to be fair to that other guest, fire comes from the Lord. It probably came out of that tent of meeting. So imagine the altar there and fire coming out. One commentator said it might have been something more like a, a bolt of lightning. that Because it's already burning. There's a burnt offering. And so the, the offerings are being burnt. But even then, like maybe a lightning or, lightning or something that actually just consumes it all in an instant rather than the slow burning. But God's glory, God's presence becomes visibly manifest that God is here. As they've done these offerings, as they eat before God in his presence, as they meet with God, as they bless the people, as God's covenant people with the people of Yahweh, then God shows up and he consumes the sacrifice, consumed the burnt offering, it says in verse 24, and the fat portions on the altar. And what do the people do when they see it? They see it, they shout, Probably a shout, not of, now some commentators say it could be fear or not, but most would say, or at least the two, the ones that I looked at, are saying it's probably more of a, a worshipful celebration shout, a shout of joy, a shout of celebration, that God has shown up, he's accepted these sacrifices, he's accepted these priests, we are his people, we are not cursed, we have his blessing, his face does shine down on us, we do have his peace, even here in the wilderness, and so God shows it, and they shout a shout of celebration, and they fall face down before God in worship, in joy, in love for God, in adoration, in reverence and respect for the goodness that this holy God would dwell in their midst through the priests and through their sacrifices. Okay, that's the story, and that's nine minutes. Now, let me just do application, all right? Now, what do you think is the original application to the original audience who first got Moses' writings? Not to us today. What's the application for the first audience? What do you guys think? So if you're like the Israelites and you're reading this and you're still maybe a generation later, but you're still in the wilderness and you read this story, what would you think is the application for them? This is way pre-Jesus. What's the application for them, you think? Anyone? What would be your takeaway? Set yourself apart. Set yourself apart. Anything else? What's that? Live holy. Sacrifice is required. Receive, yeah, something more joyful. It's a little bit more joyful before responsibility. <laughs> Receive the sacrifice that God has given us a priesthood, that God has provided sacrifices for us, that we who are cursed have his blessing. There's all these ethnic people groups, the Canaanites that were going, we just came from Egypt, and all these people are cursed under God's sin, and we, sinners who had worshipped the golden calf just a few months ago, we have his blessing. He forgave us. We are his people. That would be the, the, I think that would be probably the primary application is we have the blessing of God through the priestly ministry and sacrifices. Now, I do think after that, so now we need to be holy. So now we need to live sacrificial lives and go to the priesthood. Yes, yes, yes. But I think the first thing is the reception and the privilege of being part of the people of God. Okay, so how would that apply Sorry, there's one more thing when we talk about being holy. I would say a second thing in the overall thing of God setting apart Israel. They are to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So the way the priests are mediating the blessing to them, they should understand, because they learned this in Exodus before Leviticus, that we as God's people also mediate this. So we are blessed. Praise God that we have forgiveness, that we have life with God. But it's not just for us Israelites. 
As a covenant nation, we have the responsibility to mediate this blessing to the nations as God's holy nation. So that would be maybe another takeaway that they should have. First, we are blessed to be a blessing, okay? Now, how would this apply to us today? I'm going to give three applications, maybe. Three applications, okay? Application number one, look to Jesus. He is the great high priest. He is the one who's ordained by God. He's the one appointed by God, as John preached from Hebrews chapter 5. He is our great high priest. He's ordained by God. He has made the sacrifice, the one-time sacrifice. He has went into the meeting place to meet with God. He has come out of that meeting place with God. He has pronounced the Lord bless you and protect you and make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace because I am the great high priest who has come to God to secure that blessing for you. So look to Jesus, see his glory, see the glory of God in Jesus. And when you see God's glory, shout for joy, bow down in reverence and fear and gladness that you are part of his people. If you're not a Christian, God is inviting you to be part of his people. This sacrifice is not only for those who are already Christian, it's also for those who will become Christian. And that might be you. So if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning or this evening, thank you for being here. God is calling you through my voice to become part of his people. He has sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and rise from the dead. He has made Jesus the great high priest for sinners just like you. So that if you would realize that God made you and that you're a sinner who is condemned before him. But if you trust in this Jesus who died for your sins and rose from the dead in this high priest who is your mediator to give you the blessing when you deserve God's curse. If you trust that Jesus took the curse for you so that you don't have to be cursed. If you turn from your sins and trust in this Jesus, you will have God's blessing. You will have eternal life and you will be part of God's people. That's the second application. First one was to Christians. Second one is to non-Christians. The third application is for the church family. Church family, if uh, because you're in Jesus, just like Jesus was set apart and the priests were set apart, you're the holy nation and royal priesthood now, right? So you are sanctified. You are consecrated. You are made priests. You go into the meeting place now. You have met with God. You can enter into the holy of holies because of Jesus Christ. And you can come out now and bless each other. That's why we all read the benediction in the morning. Because you're actually pronouncing it on each other as a royal priesthood. It's not just the pastor up here saying the blessing. We're all saying the blessing because we're all priests. So you can pronounce blessing on each other and minister the gospel. You can gospelize each other because you are priests of God. But you don't just gospelize each other and minister the blessing to each other, though you do that. You also come out of the tent with the very sanctification and sacrifice and priestly ministry of Jesus now giving you, giving you that priestly ministry. You have the responsibility to mediate that covenant blessing to your coworkers to your classmates, to your neighbors, to those in your household, to your extended family, online, and to the nations. This is our responsibility. This is our privilege to proclaim Christ, to remember Christ, to remember his forgiveness, and to share life. And like the priestly ministry that we learned from this morning, to gently, as sinners who've been forgiven, minister the ministry of forgiveness in Christ to other people. That is our joy, that is our privilege. So just remember, as we close, the, the, the order of the four sacrifices, because we're about to go to the Lord's table. It was purification through cleansing and uh, atonement. Then it was consecration, we are the Lord's. And then it was fellowship, communion.
And this Lord's Supper represents all of that. The atonement of Christ, the cleansing of your sins, the purifying of who you are, the covering of your sins because he took the wrath of God for you in his body given for you and his blood spilled for you. The consecration, now you are set apart as holy because of his death and resurrection. And now you get to eat a meal in the presence of God, in the presence of Christ, with Christ's people. We are the temple of the Lord Jesus. The word is being proclaimed in these elements. And in that, Christ is here with us. And we feed on Christ through faith in Christ. Not in a Roman Catholic way that the bread becomes the body of Jesus and the blood, uh, the cup becomes the blood of Christ. It's not in that sense. But Christ is here. And, and through faith in the message, we are communing with God and with each other. So the main application for them was, we are God's people and we have God's blessing. So when you take the bread and the cup, what, you, what, you, what should you be thinking? We are God's people. We were cursed. And with this cup, we are blessed. Praise God for the privilege of the high priestly ministry of Jesus Christ. Father, take this word and hide it in our hearts that we would not sin against you. Help us to remember freshly the death and resurrection of Jesus, the consecration, all well, the purification, the cleansing, the atonement, the consecration, and the fellowship that we have through his death and resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, brother.